0: give god a hand clap of praise this morning because he is a good god how great thou art how great thou art what's up y'all my name is alan and uh i have the privilege of being one of your pastors here at whitewater first of all Uh, Welcome to all our new guests here in the building or online, and uh, again, on behalf of our family, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all our moms out there. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for raising us in the faith. Uh, Mom, mom, I love you. Uh, Thanks for letting me be weird. Um, But I I just want to also acknowledge that today could be difficult for some who don't have a mom or who don't have a relationship with their mom or some who didn't have a mom growing up, Um, because to be real... That's me on Father's Day. And so um, something that's always encouraged me is that we have a divine, heavenly parent who's always been there, who not only loves you but likes you and who never abandons you. And so with that being said, my wife and I don't have any kids, but I can assure you that she is a mom. So here she is. uh, Here she is with my dog son, Tank. Yeah, that's real, folks. She uh, does that all the time. She this is that's. So, uh, Sarah, uh, happy Mother's Day, Sarah. So, moms, thank you for the sacrifices that you have made for your kids. And, Lord, thank you for the sacrifice you've made for us by sending your son, Jesus, on the cross so that we could be called your children. Thank you, Father. Now, Jesus' mom, Mary, must have been real proud because her son not only saved the world with his sacrifice, but, but he also saved the world through his teaching, specifically, what he taught about how to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven while we exist here on earth. And the kingdom of heaven is a, is a mysterious thing for us humans. So, so Jesus had to use storytelling or parables to reveal to us some of those rich kingdom secrets that help us grow. Which is why I believe Jess and Reed and myself have been talking about agriculture for the past three weeks. It's not because we're like farmers or anything like that. It's because Jesus knew his audience. He was talking to a bunch of people who understood the concepts of seeds, soil, and weeds. And what better way to illustrate growth than to use the things that literally grow from the ground up, you know? And if you haven't listened to any of those other parts of our teachings, please go visit our website or our YouTube page. They're all on there for you to catch up with. But today... We're going to go over a different kind of story. It still has a bit of that farming vibe to it. But for once, Jesus isn't comparing us to seeds or flowers or tree bark. But he's showing us other humans who have specific, distinct, and different attitudes towards the kingdom of heaven. Yo, I'm so excited to talk about this with you. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for our moms. Thank you for giving us the word. And Heavenly Father, use me as your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, fam, this is an awesome scripture for you to have your Bibles open for. So go ahead, turn your Bibles or Bible apps open to Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Now, this is is a long verse. So I'm gonna summarize it and then we'll break down some of the verses individually. But before that... There are three characters in this story that don't have any names. And because I want us to, you know, follow this along a little better, uh, can we all just give names to these characters? I'm going to write them down, okay? I'm going to write them down. So I need someone to shout out two names, okay? Two names that you like, two names that are cool. Go ahead. I heard Cecil. I love it. I'm going with Cecil. Cecil. I also heard Yolanda. Let's go with Yolanda. Let's go with Yolanda. All right. So Cecil, Yolanda, and then I need a name that's like, okay, I hate to say this, but like kind of annoying. Did I hear Alan? Y'all are mean. I heard like Giuseppe or something. Did I hear Giuseppe? Gi- Giuseppe? I'm, gonna, I'm going with that. that's a hard name to pronounce. so no. G- n- I can't I can't. I will just say it. Giuseppe, Cecil, Yolanda, and Giuseppe. OK, so we're in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like this: A man was going on a long trip, so he got his three servants together so they could keep his money safe while he was gone. He gave Cecil five bags of silver. Yolanda, two bags of silver, and Giuseppe, one bag of silver. So the master comes back, pours himself a glass of orange juice without pulp, and he says, so tell me what y'all did with the bags of silver I gave you. Cecil, of course, says in verse 20, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. So the master replies, oh, Okay, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let's party. And then Yolanda says a similar thing. Well, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, but bam, here's another two more. And the master's like, oh, it's like that? Okay, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you more responsibilities, and I'm going to take you to go see Cody Carnes at Whitewater Crossing. And it was fire. It was so good if you weren't there. This is the shirt I got from it. God is good. Okay, but then, but then, but then Giuseppe came up with their one bag of silver and said, Well, I know you're kind of a harsh guy, and I was scared of losing your money. So logically, I thought, well, duh, I'll just dig up a hole in the backyard, stuff it down there, and cover it up so no one can take it. So here you go. The master drops his glass of Minute Maid soap opera style and says, You wicked and lazy servant, take the money away from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing... Even what little they have, it'll be taken away. Ooh, I like it. I love it. It's a little spicy. It's a little spicy. But I want to get something out of the way first. This story isn't about a transaction, nor is it about a promotion. Here's what I mean. This isn't Jesus' way of giving us a framework of how to get promoted or how to get a leadership job at your work. Okay? Okay. We could look at this story and say, oh, God's going to give us stuff. We'll work hard. Then God will reward us with more things. No, 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 no. God is not a transactional God. He is a relational God. It doesn't matter how hard you work, how many hours you put into volunteering, or how much money you give to the church. If your heart isn't near Jesus first, then it's all useless. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22 through 23, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. But here's the thing. If you're in a deep, committed relationship with God and truly love his people, then the work you do will be an overflow of your heart. You'll be guided by the Holy Spirit to do because you've just spent a whole lot of time just being Being God's son and daughter, being submitted to King Jesus, being a vessel for the Holy Spirit. The work you do volunteering will be an overflow to serve because you realize that Jesus served you by dying on the cross. The money you give to the church will be an overflow of generosity because you recognize that God was incredibly generous with you. Your investment in other people will be a result of your understanding of how much God has invested in you. The Bible says, Faith without good works is dead. Because the faith you gain from a relationship with God should drive you to acts of love. And what Jesus is saying with this parable is, when you invest into the kingdom of God, I'm going to bless it. So, when we go back to Jesus' parable, what did Cecil and Yolanda invest? For them, it was bags of silver. And most of the time when we think about investing something, we, we think about the hard, tangible stuff. Because of our banking system, we think about money, which on the surface, this is what this parable is about. But man, can I tell you, it's about more than that. In the banking world, they talk a lot about investing stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and all that's great for setting up your retirement, you know, for your future, for your kids, but it doesn't necessarily set up your salvation. Unless you fully grasp and understand who actually gave you the things to invest. It says in verse 15 of our passage, he gave. Your perspective on investable assets becomes different when you think about who gave it to you. Because even though we live in a banking type of world, investment into the kingdom isn't just about raw coin. It's about everything that God's provided for you. The master in Jesus' parable left his possessions to his servants for them to manage. Let me put it this way. You are a manager of God's possessions. In Luke twelve forty two through 44, Jesus elaborates on this. He says, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns, which means that house that you work so hard to renovate is God's. That retirement fund that's sitting in your account, it's God's. And then it's also the things that you don't think about, which is like that voice that lets you sing like an angel is God's. That toddler that follows you around into the bathroom is God's. He has given you the higher responsibility of managing his kids, his church, his business, his family, his talents, and his home. The difficult thought to swallow is that nothing we own is actually ours. And I get it, it's weird, and honestly, it's a little unsettling. Because as humans, we like knowing that we have ownership of things, right? And we should feel proud of the work that we've done. Because when we've built something really great and we've accomplished some really big goals in our lives, it's a really nice feeling of achievement and it's good. But we can never forget who actually owns everything. Hebrews 3.4 says, for every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God and typically when we realize that something isn't actually ours we take better care of it am i right about that so here's the thing though there was a moment uh when i borrowed my mom's car for the first time after i got my license now she doesn't know this so um i backed it into a tree and that's when i felt true fear for my life (laughs) because i knew it wasn't my car it was her car i was just managing it she owned it thankfully no marks are dense. That's why I never got caught. But I was a bad manager of my mom's car that day. So, uh, mom, I'm sorry you had to find out like this. Happy Mother's Day. Um, the point is, God owns every aspect of your life. And if we can adapt that mindset and that mode of thinking, that we could be open to what he wants us to do with the bags of silver. Because not only does God own those bags of silver, but he owns us. And the world doesn't like that kind of thinking. Uh Uh-uh. They say things like, ain't nobody can own me. I'm me. I'm independent. Well, something does. Social media owns a lot of people. The news owns a lot of people. Money owns a lot of people. Pride owns a lot of people. Work owns a lot of people. Mental health owns a lot of people. If God isn't the master of our lives, then something else will be. Romans 6, 16 says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You could be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. God is a good master to have, I promise. Jesus is a good king. The Holy Spirit is a perfect guide. Submission? is not a bad word in the kingdom because when you submit to god you're submitting to someone who is perfect who makes perfect decisions who makes perfect lives and so if we are able to live that abundant life that jesus paid for with his death he becomes your master who loves you unconditionally walks you through the challenges of life and trusts you with his bags of silver so what has he given you because in our passage in verse 15, it says he gave five bags of silver to Cecil, two bags of silver to Yolanda, and one bag of silver to um, Giuseppe, dividing it into proportion of their abilities. Now, some of us in this room have literally been blessed with bags of silver. Okay, let me, let me put it another way. Um, Batman is by no means a superhero in the supernatural sense. he has been gifted with. A lot of financial resources, right? And he uses it to fight darkness in Gotham, the city that he loves. Some of y'all in here are Batman. And without having to buy a black costume with a cape, you are able to use what God has given you to help your community. You know, We have had a lot of sweet stuff happen here at Whitewater lately. You know, putting on things like jam night to love on the kids and the parents, having a massive fun worship night with Cody Carnes, students being able to go to CIY without having to pay hundreds of dollars, and every Sunday morning getting to praise God with you all in this huge, awesome building. All of it is possible because people have invested their financial resources into this ministry. I can honestly say that we literally can't do any of this without you. So whether it be a small investment or big amounts, all of it is huge in the kingdom of God. So if you haven't been a part of our giving community, please consider it. Go ahead and scan the QR code on the screen. And if you've already been giving, well, dang, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for trusting us and for investing in our community. Yeah. We appreciate all the Batmans and Robins in the room. So again, thank you. With that being said, some of us are not Batman. Regardless, God has still gifted you with bags of talent and abilities that only you are able to uniquely use for the kingdom. Some of you are gifted with hospitality. Some of you are great at fixing technology. Some of you are great writers. Some of you are killer organizers. Some of you are great leaders of people, excellent at cooking, awesome artists and graphic designers, great at encouraging people. Some of you know how to talk to kids. And some of y'all are great athletes. And I can keep going on and on and on, but come on now, some of y'all better recognize what you have because God has given you bags of silver and we ought to be thankful because that means he trusts you with them. Don't miss the gift. Our heavenly creator built you with detailed specifications, both with the thing you were born with and with the things you've experienced. Each of us has been given the expensive resources of time, talents, and treasures. And please believe me when I say that you were made with a purpose. Because when you follow Jesus, you realize that God created you with a gift to serve others in some type of way. 1 Corinthians twelve four through 7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You have been given a gift to help the kingdom of God. What is it? And if you're having a hard time trying to figure it out, that's okay. Ask your friends. Ask your loved ones. Ask the people who know you best. And most importantly, ask God. Say, Lord, your word says that you've given me a gift. What is it? And if you're still not convinced, you have one. Remember, even Giuseppe got at least one bag of silver. Because God knows his kids. Our passage says in verse 15 that the master divided the bags of silver in proportion to their abilities, meaning God will entrust you with gifts and responsibilities that he knows that you can handle emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and most importantly, maturely. Because let's be real, sometimes five bags of silver can cause great pride in your heart. Sometimes two bags of silver can make someone work hard for a promotion and not actually because they want to please their master. And sometimes one bag of silver can cause bitterness and jealousy. So please, if you don't know it yet, find out what bags of gifts God has blessed you with and be thankful. Jesus using the analogy of bags of silver is so fitting because the time you have is valuable. The talents that you have are valuable. And the treasure in your bank account not only has earthly value, but when used for other people, it becomes a lot of value in the kingdom of God. This is when we get to praise God, not because you have something from him, but because the most powerful being in all of creation trusts you. There's a story in God's word about a woman who goes up to Jesus with this alabaster jar of expensive perfume, which is insanely valuable back then. And she pours it on jesus's head and there are a lot of theological symbolisms as to why she did this but the one i want us to focus on is that it was her way of worshiping jesus and of course when judas saw this he got angry he said man why waste that perfume you could have sold that and and the poor with the money but jesus clapped back and he said "No, no 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 leave her alone she's done a beautiful thing this woman Worship Jesus with one of our most valuable possessions. So when it comes to your valuable possessions of time, talents, and treasure, they are best. They are best when used for worshiping Jesus. So go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, don't waste it. Invest it. Yeah, that's good. Because, because investment typically means that you sacrifice something a little bit now to increase its return in the future. And fam, we can invest in a lot of things, right? We can invest a lot of emotional energy into a boyfriend or a girlfriend in the hopes that one day there'll be a husband and a wife. We can invest a lot of money into a small business in the hopes that one day it'll turn into a big business. We can invest a lot of time into ourselves in the hope that someday we will actually like the person we see in the mirror. But when you take what God's given you and use it as a sacrifice for the kingdom, the return isn't based on a percentage or interest. It's based on eternity and salvation. You, your relationship with God will always offer a better rate of return. You know what a CD account stands for in heaven? Christ deposit. Make sure you're investing in the right things in this life because everything you invest in will come back bigger. Invest in loving others and invest in the freedom and the joy that Jesus has sacrificed already credited to your account. Invest in your relationships with the Father and the people he created and I promise that's an investment that you can count on. When we go back to our parable, it says that, oh gosh, Giuseppe. I'm going to get tired of this name, of Giuseppe. It says that Giuseppe didn't invest their one bag of silver. And that's true. But Giuseppe totally invested in something else. Look at this, verse 24. Giuseppe says to the master, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Giuseppe invested in speculation, judgment, and fear. Straight up called the master a terrible boss right to his face. Giuseppe tried to say that the master doesn't deserve the money he earns because other people work the field, not him. And it's the same thing as saying that God doesn't heal the sick, doctors do. God doesn't feed the hungry, food banks do. in reality, it's God who built those hands that feed the hungry. It's God who gives hope to those who listen to people's cries for help. It's God who strengthens us for battle when the enemy tries to saturate the world with evil. It's God who gave his son, Jesus, the authority to take on sin and death by raising him up on the third day. It always, always goes back to God. (laughs) Giuseppe is accusing the master of not earning his business. So instead of what the master, uh, using what the master gave him, Giuseppe said to themselves, I'm not going to contribute to you getting even more silver or to you getting more praise. So I'm just going to hide it and give it back later because I'm not a thief. Fam, I want us to see this, okay? Because this parable isn't just about hiding the gift from God uh, that God gave you and what a waste it would be, okay? It's about honoring God and letting go of pride when we hide our gifts and we keep it to ourselves we hide people's opportunity to see how amazing god is what did adam and eve do when they let the devil get into their heads they hid so look at your look as your brother in christ of course I don't want you to waste your gifts or your talents because they can be used to expand the kingdom of God in a powerful way. We could literally change the world if we all understood our God-given gifts. But most importantly, I don't want you dishonoring God by hiding them or using them in a way that dishonors Jesus' mission, which is almost the same as hiding them anyway. The bags of silver that God has given you was always meant to come back to him. So when he takes it back, wouldn't you want it to seem a little heavier in his hand? And when he looks inside, it's all shiny and nice I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven and I give my gifts back, I don't want him to say, Alan, you didn't at least try to invest this. Because that's what the master says to Giuseppe. He says, dude, couldn't you have at least tried? And a part of me kind of understands why we wouldn't use our gifts and abilities for the kingdom. Because sometimes when we try, we get disappointed. We try to write the book. No one publishes it. We bake our neighbors the most delicious snickerdoodles, and they still don't want us to come over. We try to raise our kids in the faith, but now they're atheists. Disappointment is a tool that the enemy uses to make us hide our bags of silver. But, but check this out. In the book of Nehemiah, the author, Nehemiah, was given by God the gifts of leadership and organization. So the Lord was using him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It was a massive project that took years, and, and, and he had more than a few enemies that were trying to stop him. You know, there were people who were trying to bully him into stopping, literally cussing him out and things like that. But, but Nehemiah, Nehemiah ain't a scrub. He says this in chapter 6, verse 9 of the book. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued to work with even greater determination because Nehemiah knew that nothing can stop the will of God, which means if God gave you a gift, he wants you to use it. God will be with you through the disappointment so you can have the support of his unlimited strength to work with even greater determination, not by your power, but by his. Somebody say, use it. Use it. But but what happens when you use it and invest it And you only get a little bit of cheese back in return. You start saying, man, this isn't making a big difference anyway, so why am I even bothering? But here's the thing. Investing in your gift doesn't necessarily mean getting famous for it. Some people think that preaching the gospel is reserved for people with a microphone and a stage. When in reality, Jesus is asking all of us to go preach the gospel and the good news everywhere we are. You may not think that making people laugh is a gift from God, but actually, God created you to bring joy to people in their darkest moments. Now, how many of you encouraged a teenager randomly one day, not knowing that you just saved them from committing suicide? How many know that when that Chick-fil-A employee ends your service with a, my pleasure, the rest of your day just feels complete? What you think is a small contribution here on earth is massive in the kingdom of heaven. Most of the time, we will never see the great impact the small use of our gifts can make. But that's okay because someone does see it. It's God. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God watches your obedience. He sees you using that gift to help others, and he's cheering you on saying, Yeah, let's go, baby. That's my son right there. Yep, that's my daughter right there. He's cheering you on because at the end of the day, that's what we should strive for. How do we make our Heavenly Father proud of us? I don't know what your parental situation is like, but I do know that everyone wants someone to be proud of them. I know I do. And, that's, and because of that, I made a lot of dumb choices in my life. I spent money I didn't have, invested a lot of time and energy into trying to become famous in my 20s. I toured the country, going from state to state, feeling emptier and emptier. I didn't understand the true purpose of what God put inside of me. I was always searching for meaning. When in reality, my heart just wanted someone to be proud of me. But I had it all along. My mom was always proud of me. I just never saw her as a gift. Invest in what God's given you and yearn for his affection. I promise nothing else will give you more meaning and purpose than simply wanting to please your heavenly father. That's what Giuseppe missed, but, but Cecil and Yolanda got right. They knew it wasn't about the bags of silver, it was about making their master proud. Both of them wanted to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. Let that be the goal for our lives, everybody. With every single action you take this week, I want you to ask God, will this make you proud? Because there is nothing in this world that will ever make God love you any more or any less. Doesn't matter how hard you work, doesn't matter how many stupid mistakes you've made, God will always love you. But it's up to us to show him how proud he can be of us. I want God to be proud of me. How about you? Invest your valuable time to encourage someone, to build up the church, to be in the presence of God. Invest your talents into giving people joy, helping people to get to know Jesus. Invest your money into the kingdom of God here on earth. Donate what you have into helping the poor and put your money into places where people can find rest. Find those bags of silver and dig it back up from the ground. Use it to expand the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Jesus has entrusted you and me to be the boots on the ground. God has made the ultimate investment in you by sending his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Don't waste it. Somebody say, God, you can count on me. Let's pray, everybody. Father, we thank you for trusting us with these gifts, these talents, these abilities, and these treasures. Help us to use them with confidence to show people your love and lead people into your grace. Holy Spirit, take control of our minds. Take control of our bodies and our hearts. Be with us as we go into the world to proclaim the good news and to invest every ounce of what you've given us into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, allow us to be daring, to be fearless, and to be resolute in showing how much you love them. God, thank you for all the mamas in the world. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.